I'm Samantha Olds Fry, CEO of the Illinois Association of Medicaid Health Plans, and this is Sam Says, a podcast series focused on Illinois Medicaid managed care. Hello, I'm DeRondel Beverly with the Gemini Group, and welcome to Sam Says. On today's episode, we sit down with Dr. Margaret Kierkegaard, Principal at Health Management Associates, to discuss the importance of collaboration. But first, let me welcome our host, the Sam and Sam says, Samantha Olds Fry, CEO of I'm Hip. Sam, how are you today? I am great, Durandal. How are you? I am doing well, doing well. Now I think we are inching towards fall. Um, what are you and your family like? What's on tap for you for the weekend? Yeah, so you know we're just sort of getting back into routines. Uh, I don't know about you, but summer routines sort of you know, throw us a, a, a bit of a curveball and we're always on the move. But in the fall, we sort of get back into steady things, back into, you know, meal preps and school and all of that. So just sort of getting our life back to a rhythm. Okay. All right. Nothing wrong with the rhythm, especially after what we've all experienced over the past 16 months. A rhythm is a uh, rhythm's good. Uh, next, we are going to welcome our very special guest. Again, we have Dr. Margaret Kierkegaard, Principal at Health Management Associates. Dr. Kierkegaard, welcome to Sam Says. How are you today? I'm great, and thank you for inviting me to join you all today. We appreciate you being here. Same question for you before we jump into the show. Um, what uh, What's on tap for you? Like, what, what do you look forward to to unwind on the weekends? Well, you know, typically in the fall is the back to school routine, but my husband and I are empty nesters now for the last couple of years. So we don't have that fall routine of getting back into school anymore. And I'll tell you what I have been enjoying a lot during COVID is that I'm a novice bird watcher. And it's a very good habit to have during COVID because you're out in the woods by yourself looking at the birds or my husband and I will go. So I'm grateful to have had that hobby to get me through this uh, time of COVID. Wonderful, wonderful. So let's dive into it. Um, we're excited to jump into today's conversation on fostering partnerships and the importance of collaboration. But before we do that, uh, please lay the foundation for our listeners, Dr. Kierkegaard. Can you provide some background on your experience and the work that you now do with HMA? I'm a family doctor by my clinical background and actually spent the early part of my career in a very traditional family medicine environment providing womb to tomb care. And at some point in that, uh, in my career, in running my practice, I learned or discovered that healthcare really doesn't work unless all of the players are lined up. So if I ask a patient to do something and they don't have social supports, they don't have transportation, it just really doesn't work. I actually came home from my practice one day and I told my husband, I said, you know, I know a lot about medicine, but I don't know anything about healthcare. And I need to go back to school and figure this out. And um, he actually looked at me and said, have we paid for your last degree yet? And I had to say, oh, sorry, we haven't quite paid for medical school yet, but I am going to go back to school and get a master's in public health. So after I did that, I really felt more equipped to work in this messy environment we call healthcare. And um, after that, I, I spent a number of years working with the Illinois uh, Medicaid program as a contracted uh, medical director for the 
uh, statewide medical home program, which required a lot of collaboration among um, people working in Medicaid. And now I work with Health Management Associates. Health Management Associates, or HMA as it's uh, more fondly known, is a national research and consulting firm focusing in publicly funded healthcare. And um, although we're a 35-year-old company, it's actually in the last year that we developed a mission statement. I think that we always knew what our mission was. And when we were a small local company, everybody sort of knew what the internal mission was. But in the last year, we've articulated our mission, which is to improve the health and well-being of individuals and communities by making publicly funded health care and the social services that support it more accessible, equitable, and effective. Margaret, I love that. And I love working with you because of sort of your breadth and depth of knowledge and experience that it's not uh, like you, you don't just have sort of one component of experience. So you've provided direct health care, you understand, you know, the state side and the administrative side of the Medicaid program, which um, I think putting it politely as you did, it can be messy. And then you also understand so well that it's all interconnected. Like you said, like it doesn't matter if you tell a patient to do something, if they don't have transportation or the social support to do that, it's not going to happen. It's not going to work. And you also said like, we all need to be moving in the same direction to make a difference um, and to impact the people that we're all collectively here to serve. But that really gets me to sort of my first question, which is, you know, can you talk a little bit more about why that collaboration and that moving in the same direction is so important, but also like what makes it so difficult? Because I think that, you know, if it were easy, we wouldn't be having this conversation because everybody would be doing it. So what makes it so difficult? Those are great questions, Sam. You know, we know that we need multidisciplinary collaboration in order to make healthcare work. And I think for the for the issues that don't require multidisciplinary collaboration, that's what we do every day. We solve those problems every day. Something needs to be changed. Uh, better coding needs to be developed so a claim doesn't reject. Um, providers need to adopt a new drug that's come out onto the market. And we do that. Those are simple solutions, oftentimes simple solutions, and we do it and move forward. We don't even think that what we're doing is our solutions. We're just um, providing healthcare. But then we encounter these bigger, more complex, deeper issues that require both multidisciplinary analysis and multidisciplinary collaboration to solve. And I think, quite frankly, these issues are more difficult in the Medicaid space. I think working with Medicaid is, a, is both a blessing and a curse. And the blessing among the multidisciplinary collaboration is that everybody is generally very mission-oriented. They have spent their lives dedicated to underserved populations. And so the mission is aligned curse is that the resources are always scarce. There is never enough time or money or um, just working hours in the day to get stuff done. And so people are always working in that resource scarce environment. And that makes collaboration much, much more difficult just to find the time to bring people together, to um, have the resources to do data analysis and the other tools that that foster ongoing collaboration. 
and I could not agree more. And to build upon that, sort of what one of the things that's sort of limiting our resources or limiting our capabilities here in the Medicaid space is there's such a high need. There's so much to be done as well. So it's not, it, it's hard to prioritize. You know, we are in the Medicaid space, I, I, the, our listeners have heard me say this time and time again, we're the largest payer of long-term care. We're the largest payer um, for maternal health, supporting one out of every two births in the country and here in Illinois. We're the largest payer for substance use disorder and mental health treatment. Um, and we insure a third of the children in Illinois. Uh, so what, those are all very important areas. Um, you know, caring for our children, caring for pregnant women, caring for our seniors, caring for those who have mental health or substance use disorder uh, disorders. But what the systems you put in place for one may not be what another uh, population needs. And so there's so much need. There's not enough um, financial investment ever. I mean, it's just never going to happen. Uh, and there is not enough time in the day. Mm -hmm. I couldn't agree more, Sam. You know, these are complex issues with very vulnerable populations. And you point out the diversity of the populations cared for through Medicaid, ranging from our very vulnerable senior citizens down to pregnant women and uh, infants with uh, complex medical needs. So, so many challenges. And that also underscores the reason for that multidisciplinary collaboration and to, to be able to look at it from all the different, different lenses. And I think um, prioritizing is definitely difficult to understand uh, where the priorities are for various organizations. Um, I think that uh, while um, the mission can be aligned, the priorities aligning the priorities can be more difficult. And of course, we all know that the devil is in the details, that even if your mission is aligned and your priorities are aligned, um, there is a limited an amount of human resources that can be devoted to each problem. And so that makes it more difficult each day. And what I love um, about working with you, because I, I can't uh, just agree with you more on exactly, you know, it's, it's everything has to line up including just time in the day, and that's that's hard, is you are a masterful collaborator. And I think it's because you've seen what happens when we don't collaborate and um, how projects and challenge, I mean, they, they fester, right? Like it, it's very rarely do we encounter a problem that one industry or one entity is gonna be able to address completely on their own, like you said. Um, and so you see the value in collaboration and you've been doing this work uh, for a while. And I've had the great pleasure of working with you in that and then really see the benefit of it. But what are some of those lessons you've learned and those mistakes you see made that can help with that prioritization or this, the aligning of priorities um, and really bring about the outcomes that great collaboration can bring about for the populations we're serving um, because our missions do often align so very much. Well, Sam, thank you so much for those kind words. And I really appreciate uh, those compliments. And I have to say that HMA, we do work really hard to be a collaborative organization, both internally because our consultants come from so many different fields 
ranging from clinical care and managed care and community-based organizations, quality, accreditation, finance. So internally, we try to model that multidisciplinary collaboration and then bring that mindset to projects when we're working with external collaborators. And I think that there are um, many different pitfalls that can make collaboration difficult. We certainly know that healthcare is fraught with tribalism and people grow up in their tribe. They have a particular way of looking at things. Uh, and so we all have to try to set aside those lenses, which is, which is difficult when you're more tired and difficult when you've been beaten up by COVID all day long and then you have to think about something else from a different standpoint. Um, I think another uh, tool that people um, often forget about is that we need um, opportunity for communication in a variety of venues. So I have seen projects where people really think they're talking about the same thing. They're talking about you know, a particular phenomenon or uh, the words, and they think they're saying the same thing. They're saying the same words, but when push comes to shove, they're really not. And so Having, um, having verbal conversations, having the video conversations now when we can't be together as much as we'd like to be, but then also sometimes putting things down in words, saying this is a concept brief, something more than a slide deck, uh, and circulating that so people can actually look at it and say, wow, okay, now we actually have a definition that we agree on. So I, I think that's an important uh, key feature. And I also think another key feature that we sometimes skip over is the need for data that informs that collaboration or decision making. So people often have a limited data set that informs their vision, or they have anecdotal data, um, and you know their their mindset is informed by their experience, which is great. But they might not have that holistic view of data. So really looking at what are the key data elements. Who can supply those elements? Let's, let's look at our data that analyzes the problem and what data we're going to use to um, define our solutions. I think those are two key factors. I could not agree with you more. And I, I chuckled to myself when you said, we're, like, they're saying the, real, the same words, but are they? And I see that a lot in my role because I find that I'll deal with, you know, in the morning, I'll have a committee with my chief medical officer. So I'm dealing with clinicians and, and we're talking and I'm, you know, trying to understand sort of their clinical points of view and making sure that we, you know, synthesize all of that correctly. And then I'll talk to CEOs and then I talk to legislators and then I go to sort of this collaborative work group with folks from the provider community. And so often when you travel from those spaces, you just see how quickly and easily it is that that people in those like they just communicate differently. They're just used to what their verbiage and language means to them and, and to their peers or their colleagues, but how it could so easily be misinterpreted or misunderstood by somebody who sort of looks at everything a little bit differently. And that's even sometimes within the same organization because their background and their expertise is just is different. And so, like you said, having that in writing um, so that everybody can go back and really understand it and then say, wait, what I thought you meant this, um, but what's really going on here and make sure that everybody's on the same page uh, before you sort of turn the page. Um, that can be such 
a challenge, but if you don't get there, you know, you just sort of are spinning your, your wheels. And so I do think that it's a really important, um, piece of advice of, you know, getting into those details and, and communicating them in various ways. And especially now that we can't, like you said, get in the same room together as easily the video component and not just being on a conference call. Um, but seeing people face to face is also so key because I've found, um, in one of my collaborations with uh, mental health um, advocates and, and professionals, there was just this assumption. So speaking of tribalism, that we're coming from the the quote unquote payer side, and we don't want to, you know, don't want to support or don't want to expand access, which isn't at all where we would say we're coming from. And then, um, you know, they're, they're coming from their side. And, and, you know, we incorrectly assume that they don't know how, you know, our side works. And so when we were just on audio, it was so easy to assume the worst and, and, and misinterpret how somebody was delivering something or what a question meant. But once we were face to face or or in video during this time, it was clear that somebody was really just asking a question, like just trying to move the ball forward or trying to understand, or that when somebody said something, you know, it wasn't delivered with malice. It was just oh, I don't, I don't think that works or that wasn't my understanding. Um, it delivered with uh, a kindness and an inquiry rather than trying to shut the conversation down. And so having that, that personal interaction, having the opportunity for regular interaction and then written detail so that somebody can respond because what something sounds like in concept versus maybe the specifics of what you mean, there can be, um, there's a lot of room for interpretation there. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more, Sam. I can remember one anecdote in um, my past where we were working with newborn enrollments, which is a tricky issue because if you really think about it, it's a human being that didn't exist and now exists and you have to figure out how they're enrolled with a health plan and enrolled in Medicaid. Um, but we actually had to define newborn and talking with medical offices and they would talk about, well, my newborns or family newborns. And, and at one point we we're talking about new newborns versus old newborns. And, and I said, you know, we have got to just put some definitions down on a piece of paper because we don't agree on the word newborn. So um, it was, it was very helpful just to understand that when people were referring to a particular subset of patients, we weren't referring to the same subset and therefore we weren't arriving at a collaborative solution. And that sounds so silly to people who don't maybe work in the space like a newborn's a newborn, but I know exactly what you're talking about because we define a newborn as, you know, from the a um, are a member that is a member of a health plan, but from the day they're born, because the health plan covers the hospital stay. Um, whereas when I'm talking to community uh, providers, they often say, oh, no, I just mean post-discharge. And it's just like, oh, well, that's a very different split for us, but unless we clarify that simple assumed item for everybody, we're not talking about the same thing. Right. That's a good example. Mm -hmm. And so as we sort of start to wrap up, I want to ask, like, you've seen collaboration, you, we know the challenges, but the importance of it, how can individuals and organizations, um, 
lead in and be strong partners um, and be you know, strong partners that where they're going to be successful in collaboration uh, as they go into their innovative endeavors. Like what should they be looking for in themselves? And then also, I think, you know, that probably works the same way for their partners. What should they be looking for in partners as they begin to discuss collaboration? Those are good questions, Sam, Uh, because as much as we believe fundamentally in collaboration, it's also true that not every collaborative group uh, can can work to problem solve. So sometimes, you know, we talk about getting quotes the right people on the bus, but sometimes it's about getting some people off the bus and replacing them with the with other collaborators that might have the right assets or the right tools to bring to the table. I think we talked a little bit about the importance of communication and a foundation in data, but I would also say a willingness to actually change and a collaborative mindset. So sometimes people come into a collaboration, really what they're looking for is people to line up and do things the way I'm telling you to do things. Um, It's not really a collaborative model. And uh, so we need to think about the role of the collaborators and that willingness to to change and think innovatively. I think that's the, the spirit that makes a successful collaboration. And then very careful role definition from that. If people are willing to change, what is it that that um, that you bring to the collaborative endeavor? And uh, sometimes it's leadership, and sometimes it's resources, sometimes it's data, sometimes it's um, organizational talent. Um, but not not every um, not every collaboration is going to be configured in the same way. And I think sometimes we forget that and we think, oh, I, I know I do this frequently where I think, um, you know, my role in this collaboration is always going to be the same. And I really have to try to sit back sometimes and think, okay, the, my role here is different in this collaboration. And what is it that I specifically have that's an asset to this collaboration? And it might not be the same as my next phone call or my next client project. I love that. And I also think as you outlined um, you know, the defined roles and the defined sort of what everybody's bringing to the table is making sure that everybody sort of agrees with your assumption of what they're bringing to the table. Um, I find, especially with like the health plans, there's this assumption that the health plans um, and the Medicaid health plans are bringing the resources and that's why they're at the table. But they also have other things that I don't know that collaborators that when we collaborate with always sort of appreciate. Like we have a better sense of data than because we see the full picture than I think some of our collaborators assume because they are kind of bringing it from, you know, their lens. Like so, let's use I don't know, like FQHCs, and so they're like, oh, we we understand our patients and this is what's going on, and but they see their data from like what their patients are doing within their four walls. Whereas we see their patients, you know, completely all healthcare claims. And so there are these pieces where when we talk about collaboration, not only do you need people who want to collaborate, who are doing this work, but then also making sure you're all on the same page of like what they all think they're bringing to this discussion. Uh, And then are there things resources they have or talents they have that you're not tapping into because you don't know that they're available or that they're willing to provide that information. 
I think those are great points. And I think another important point to think about in our Medicaid collaborations is to make sure that the voice of the member or the patient is represented. I think the health plans have very formalized venues to ensure that they get feedback from patients and um, providers will get feedback from patients anecdotally, but it's often skewed because they're in the exam room or they have a personal relationship with their patients and they really don't see the patients who are potentially dissatisfied or the whole picture. So creating a venue to bring that voice of the patient or the member into the collaboration, I think is also very important. I cannot underscore that enough. And we recorded a podcast a bit ago where we were, we were talking with Everthrive and they, they are they are really great at getting that patient member community feedback and incorporating that and, and you know, doing that on a regular basis. And they, they underscored that if you don't have that, then your solutions oftentimes miss things. They, they aren't accessible to the members you're trying to serve or doesn't go far enough, or there are these big gaping holes that you didn't think about because your day-to-day life is going to be really different than some of the members that we are assisting. Or it's one perspective, even if it's incredibly similar to the members you're trying to serve. It's just one perspective rather than um, a collective. And so getting that feedback, it's hard. Uh, I think that's a piece of collaboration that it sounds so simple, like, oh, just get the feedback of the people you're going to be impacting. But it's, it's, it can be hard to do so. Uh, but it's critical. It's absolutely critical. So, Dr. Kierkegaard, as we close out today, um, final question for you. In the coming year or so, what excites you the most? Well, um, excites me the most is that um, we're looking at a lot of funding coming from the federal government for human infrastructure development, and we're looking at uh, opioid funding uh, coming down. And so maybe this is an opportunity where we have a true infusion of resources that could elevate some of the programming that we do and benefit a lot of families across the United States. So we are excited to see that, um, that spigot of funding potentially open up. All right. Wonderful. Wonderful. We appreciate you being on uh, on the show with us today. Would you mind coming back in the future for a follow-up uh, conversation with Sam? Oh, sure. I'd, I'd love to be invited back. Maybe we can talk a little bit more about the exciting birds I've seen in the meantime. <laughs> wonderful. Wonderful. Uh, again, a special thank you to Dr. Margaret Kirkgaard, Principal at Health Management Associates, for taking some time to talk with us today. Sam, before we wrap up, anything from this discussion that you found particularly interesting or that you're going to be tracking uh, as we head forward? So I always, just always love talking with Dr. Kierkegaard. I think she's got such a wonderful and insightful lens and perspective. Um, But I think for me, just a reminder that just because I'm saying something or somebody else is saying something and we're using similar words does not necessarily mean we're saying the same thing and, and making sure that we're, you know, getting down to those specifics and giving each other enough space to be clear um, and, and asking questions and having that open dialogue. I, I think that's not only an important reminder as we think about collaboration or coalition building, 
but it's just an important reminder for life that just because we are, you know, we all are bringing our own perspective and to give the people that we're communicating with the opportunity um, to clarify what they mean, um, to make sure we're all on the same page and to sort of leave assumptions at the door. I think it's just always such a helpful tip. All right. That's a great point. An absolutely great point to end the show on. Uh, special thank you again to Dr. Kierkegaard and Health Management Associates for joining us today on Sam Says. If you like what you've heard, I encourage you to please visit the I'm Hip website at imhip.net. That's I-A-M-H-P.net to learn more about what the association is doing and to listen to other interesting podcasts like this one today. I also encourage you to like and follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. And if you're interested in becoming a trusted partner of the association, again, I encourage you to visit the website, imhip.net. On behalf of Sam and the wonderful team at I'm Hip, I'm DeRondel Beverly with the Gemini Group. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Sam Says. Stay safe and we'll see you soon.